of the Blood Sucking Geeks podcast. I'm Chris, one of the hosts of the Blood Sucking Geeks podcast, and with me this week is Corey and Cody. How is it going, guys? Just delightful. What's up, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got quite the show uh, for everyone today. I'm very excited. Well, this, was Cor- this is Corey. This is all your pick here. So why don't just right from the top, why don't you uh, talk about what the movie is this week and why you chose this fucking <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, but it, it was quite it was quite the film, I'll say that. All right, so the last few episodes we've been having fun with uh, you know, Saturday the 14th and then Thanksgiving. So I thought we would bring it back to some true horror, some stuff that uh people might have not seen before. I personally really like uh the cheesy uh late 70s early 80s Italian horror uh just it's so off the rails from some of the other stuff you see because these motherfuckers do not give a <laughs> single fuck. Uh, you will see some of the sleaziest, just nastiest, uh, just awful, awful stuff because these guys are just, I don't know, but I am all about it. So uh, this week we're doing a movie known as Knights of Terror, uh-huh. Zombie Horror, The Zombie Dead, one of the many films released as Zombie 3, but we're going to refer to it by uh, the title Burial Ground. Uh, it is a zombie movie that you can show to your mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> um, I would not suggest doing that. Um, no. no. <laughs> but depends depends on the relationship. Yes. With yeah. your mom. Because, uh, you know, I'll say this. My mom is a huge fan of The Walking Dead. And, like, midway through, because it took we, it took us probably three times to get through this film. <laughs> I'll say the first part of the film where we sat through it and watched it, we got about maybe 25 to 30 minutes in. I was not feeling it that much. But <laughs> the second time, I was like, wait a second. I don't remember if there was, a, like, a moment in the film that, like, turned me or what. But I, I eventually started thinking, I'm like, this could just be the lead into the walking dead, like this film, <laughs> but the way that like it's the way that the zombies just keep coming, the way that they kind of shuffle, the way that they're always just kind of running. It did feel in a lot of ways, like reminiscent to me, at least uh, to the walking dead. I really enjoyed this film for the time that this came out. It, it's, these are some scary zombies. I mean, these are not, there's no explanation. It's just unrelenting. It's just like, oh, they came out of a hole in a cave. Whoops. You know, like there's some it's it's it was pretty harrowing. I was like, these these zombies don't give a fuck. You can shoot them and Campbell's suit's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I love they, it was chocolate milk. They have some of the scariest makeup work on a zombie that I've seen in, in a movie 
in a long time. I thought it was really well done because it looked like they, they did a mixture. It was like a lot of them were really old, decaying. And when you hit them, there was like dust and stuff that would come out. It looked like you could tell they're all dried out and stuff. But then there were, as the movie kept going on, there were more characters that like looked like they had kind of more freshly turned and stuff. And so there was, it wasn't just yeah. like those old looking zombies. They actually took the time to have like different type of zombies and stuff in it. I, I thought it was, it was just, a, an interesting film and it really surprised me totally not at all what I was expecting. And it was a, a kind of a delightful surprise for me because it was a lot better than I thought it was going to end up being. Yeah. I mean, you say they took the time to do this different zombie makeup. I err on the side that they just ran out of money. And <laughs> that's probably, that's yeah. probably more close to what actually happened. Now watching movies like this, I think you kind of have to, be prepared for what you're going into because uh, these are like low, low budget flicks with um, especially this movie. There is absolutely zero plot to get in the way of the story. Like you said, it just starts off. They don't bother trying to explain why or why these motherfuckers nope. are sitting <laughs> at this place. You kind of have to piece it together. It basically is just like this is a movie of zombies. Uh attacking people in this little castle and sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, that's basically, that's basically kind of what happens. Um, so before we get too far into film itself, uh, let's take a back, a step back and we'll talk about what we've been watching, but we definitely, we're going to take a deep dive into this movie and we might actually do one of those old fashioned beat for beat where we just take <laughs> you from the very beginning of this movie and we'll just end, uh, you know, we'll wrap up with how the film concludes. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching this week. What have you guys been watching? McGuire, dude, you've been. <laughs> if you have not been following the Bloodsucking Geeks like uh, Facebook group page, I definitely suggest you jump on that because McGuire is always posting like what he's watching. And it's some weird Italian shit that I've never <laughs> even heard of before all the time. Well, uh, yes, um, they, like I said, the, the Italians just don't give a fuck. I'm not doing it because I'm some snobby foreign film guy. I'm doing it for, like, the opposite reason. The Italians just don't give a single fuck and will do anything. Uh, one of the movies I wanted to talk about that I watched was uh, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. Uh, lots of us might remember the Emmanuel series from uh, our days. And oh, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. And so this is not that series. It is basically the ripoff. Uh, it's the Black Emmanuel series. Uh, this actress named Laura Gimzer, who uh, was of Indonesian Dutch descent, plays Emmanuel, who's basically this just, you know, intrepid reporter bouncing around the globe and uh, breaking stories. And this one, <laughs> um, she discovers a cannibal tribe down in the Amazon and goes to investigate. Now, uh, as with any Emmanuel movie, like the first 30, 45 minutes of this is pretty much just a straight up softcore porn. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, and then the last 45 minutes is a good old fashioned Italian cannibal movie with some, uh, a little tribal rape. Um, okay. Some, uh, munching on various body parts, uh, gratuitous nudity, gratuitous, uh, gore, um, just good fun is made by a guy named joe damato who also made uh anthropophagus uh absurd beyond the darkness he's known for like some really crazy movies and like a lot of these other italian directors straight up just made 
porn at some point uh, in his career. Not like that's how he started. Just as part of his career, bouncing around, making porn movies, making horror movies, making giallos. I mean, just all sorts of shit. But uh, Joe D'Amato is one of the kings of sleaze when it comes to Italian uh, movies. Uh, yeah, man, I was my I, I hope I didn't talk about this last episode. But the thing I've been watching most recently is the motherfucking Doom Patrol. And all I got to say is as far as like team up comic book shit, it's the best of the best. Think about like, uh, you know, everyone watch, maybe you watch a CW, whatever, uh, the arrow or, you know, flash or whatever. Think about one of those shows with HBO level production value. Mm. And it's like Brennan Frazier cussing up a storm as a fucking robot Timothy Dalton is basically the Professor X, and this is apparently the ori- one of the original actual team up uh, comics. But dude, I'm telling you, it's so deep and ethereal and fucking existential, and it takes like, oh man, it takes like a look at things in comics you could never even expect. Like when you figure out who the narrator is, oh anyway, it's like every it's just this really well done cast, and it's like I said, it's on HBO Max, which I'm here to tell you guys. Fucking get it. Don't don't stop <laughs> bullshitting. Stop bullshitting. Fuck with the t- free trial. Just get it because the industry knows something. If Warner Brothers this week said, hey, guess what? Uh, yeah, we know we're doing Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. It's coming out on HBO Max and theaters, right? But then they were like our whole slate of movies, all 2021 Warner Brother movies are coming out on HBO Max. Same time as they are coming out in theaters because people know we're not necessarily getting back to the theaters as soon as we want to, and as soon as we all hope we can, and so I'm I'm super stoked about that. But I'm here to tell you, man, HBO Max, it it it's here to fuck. And also, Raised by Wolves is on there too, <laughs> and so you you just can't go wrong. That's like there's 25 episodes of Doom Patrol, I think two full seasons, and man, you've never seen any any comic book t- type of venture do anything like this. But it's not like about comic book shit and superheroes. It's really about like parenting and like. Um, not necessarily like like gender identity, but just different identity crises in, in everyone's lives. And they just, dude, like there's just one chick, that, like one of the little baby dolls from uh, uh, Orange is the New Black, uh, D- Diane Guerrero, I think is her name. She plays this chick, Jane, who has 64 personalities with 64 different types of, of powers. Like you can't go wrong with that shit. You just like it's just never ending. Anyway, Doom Patrol. That's what that's what we're watching. Yeah, so I I have watched a little bit of Doom Patrol and it is awesome uh, because it what used to be on was like DC Universe or whatever that app was that DC had for a minute the streaming thing. So all the original content that they were having on DC Universe I guess migrated over to HBO Max and I will say I will fully agree with you Cody that HBO Max is awesome. Uh, we have subscribed to it pretty much since it came out and they've been putting a lot of good content on there. And I want to say they even had a lot of good hammer stuff, like a whole horror section um, during the, you know, Halloween and stuff. So definitely check that out. I'm really interested in seeing just like what this announcement uh, that Warner brothers is doing, that they're basically throwing their full slate. Like you said, Cody uh, for all their 2021 releases are going to be going to HBO Max and uh, like what that effect is going to have on the, the movie industry going Dude, forward. I mean, Dune, Matrix 4, there's a lot of films that are going straight there. And I'm not saying I won't ever go back to the theater, but it ain't happening right now, dog. Like, I, you know, it, if Tenet proved anything, I loved Nolan. He's one of my favorite filmmakers, literally, 
convince my wife to name our first child Christopher Nolan Putman. No shit. But <laughs> I ain't going to see that fucking movie in theaters yet. Like that just that just didn't happen. You know, like right. But and, uh, you can't argue though that like the difference between if you go see a movie oh, yeah. IMAX and it's just like super badass. Like that is there's something that you. You'll never be able to replicate that. At I all. think these films definitely need to be seen on a big screen. I mean, like, you know, you think about, I mean, I definitely, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I feel like wonder woman two is definitely shot either 3d or for an IMAX type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, just get it out of there. Cause they missed their opportunity for, to release. And, you know, it, it, and it's just like, when we get back to being able to see those big budget movies on big screens, it's going to be even more awesome. But I, here's one thing I can't abide by. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying this, uh, and I'll take a lot of shit for this. I can't stand a drive-in movie. Like, do you know how bad Bluetooth <laughs> audio sounds? You know how bad FM, FM radio audio sounds? Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, but even on top of that, where do you take a piss? You know, like, you're in your car, and it's just, just to me, like, I'm like, if I'm already going to do that, I'm just like, nah. Like, for a new movie that I haven't seen, just, like, drive my car somewhere and do that, I just, I just don't have the... Uh, the countenance, if you will. I was just going to say, I mean, I think someone working in the film industry as you do, you notice shit that lots of us don't. And uh, like for me, lots of these movies like Burial Ground, if I saw it in a fucking, you know, state of the art theater with all the bells and whistles, fine. Or if I see it at some shithole, like the way the Crowley movie theater was when we were growing up, <laughs> I almost would say seeing it in the shithole is better for depending on the type of movie, but for the movies, like I'm really drawn to, I don't need the sound to be, you know, know, I buy these Blu-rays and it's like new from the 4k scan. Yibbity dibbity. It's like, I I don't give a fuck. I don't care if it's grainy or the colors don't pop quite right. Um, I think just seeing it in theaters for me, just seeing it with a group of people, like one of the, coolest experiences i've ever had is when i saw paranormal activity when it first came out and just the way the audience was so you i mean everyone could feel the tension in that theater and just seeing a movie with people especially horror movies is just something that i'm going to miss because i don't think it's going to be back the same way it was because a all these theaters are going to um i think the one here where I live up in Washington, we had a little shithole theater that wasn't stadium seating, kind of like the way Crowley was, and it got bought out, and they're making it into basically kind of like a draft house type thing where it's just going to be small individual tables, so it's not going to be that experience, and I think that's the way lots of these things are going to go with the social distancing is you're not going to have rows and rows of seats. You're going to have individual like groups, and uh, we'll see how it plays, but um, maybe with that – they can start showing more uh, genre movies and stuff like that. And so just, uh, you know, all these new releases. That's that's for sure, man. I think that the truth that I, that I find in that as I I've had some really great experiences in the theater, just like got my blue raspberry fucking icy, got my sour patch <laughs> kids. I got the perfect seat, you know, the airflow, everything's great. And then I see the movie and it's like. Even, you know, like baby geniuses could be good in the theater if you have the right experience, you know, like, yeah. like that. And I definitely miss that with like a lot of films that have been coming straight to release. You know, I'm, I'm not reticent to pay $20 on on demand to see this new movie. But I am at the same time that I'm like, oh, should I just wait like a month and just say no? Like, because it's at my house anyway, you know, like, yeah. but, but I, I, you know, I've been like kind of holding back some stuff that I've been producing to release 
because I wanted it to to happen when there would be audiences and I wanted there to be screenings that people could come to. But people have convinced me that right now, like the safest thing that and everyone wants that content at home, you know, just as much as we want it to get back to normal, like the safest place to watch a movie is like in your own spot. And you're just like, you know, got all your shit. Yeah. And you can hit pause and everything. But but there's just nothing like I said, you guys are totally right. Nothing translates to that, like that full on experience, like in the theater. Actually, I don't know if we talked about this before, but Corey, you told me this story once about you were watching 127 hours and this woman had a seizure yeah. during yeah. The, the arms cut part. And I, I tell Watch. that story all the time, like it happened to me because it's just hard to like tell the, the layers <laughs> okay, of convolution. Yeah. All right, but Corey, Corey, Corey please, please. Okay, so uh, I went to see 127 hours in Dallas. I want to say it was like in the Inwood. Um, Who are you calling the Inwood? What? How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's just oh my God. So, uh, yeah, we're, I'm sitting there watching. It was, uh, I want to say it was pretty crowded. So I was like down in the front part of the theater off to the right from the main section. And um, it gets to the part of the movie. Uh, fuck spoilers because this movie came out so long where uh, James Franco starts to saw through his arm with the tiny Leatherman. And then I heard this noise behind me. So I turn around and look over my left shoulder and there's this girl that seems to be struggling and a guy with his hand over her mouth, like his arm around her. I was like, holy fuck, that chick's being sexually assaulted right there in the middle of the fucking theater. It's a real bright scene. So you can see it's like, oh, God. And then I was like, well, someone's going to do something that's sitting next to him. I mean, there's an assault taking place. I, I love the fact that you're just assuming someone's going to do something like you yourself. I'm sure someone will will solve that. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, what? I'm, I'm across the fucking theater. I right, think right. if some lady's being sexually assaulted next to you, you're not going to just keep munching on popcorn. I mean, they're bumping you and shit. So I keep looking and just like, the hell is going on? And uh, eventually, you know, he's like, oh, she's having a seizure. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Then, you know, I guess someone went and got the manager. The lights came up. They stopped the movie. Uh, paramedics came in, stretched her out. And then the manager was like, yeah, lots of people have been uh, having, uh, you know, episodes and whatnot during this because of the way the strobe effect goes and just the intensity <laughs> of the scene. And, the way uh, they, yeah, the way they cut it, it's like, uh, you know, these really fast frames of like black and white, and then the sound design. I mean, it'll get a, it'll get a person that doesn't have any uh, predilection to have a seizure, you know, kind of, you know, kind of stopping yeah. in their tracks. Uh, when yeah, I tell so it was the just story a... and I embellish it, I always say that uh, we saw that I saw the person with the arm around them, and then the next time I looked, they had the jacket over them. <laughs> and they were just like, like kind of, kind of struggling, you know, kind of like a parakeet, you know, you're trying to like go to bed, go to bed, yeah. and uh, and that, that's kind of like, and then of course that, uh, you know, it, obviously they started the movie right back up as soon as the incident like cleared, yeah. and everyone was kind of like, hmm, okay, yeah. all right. Well, no, it did kind of take a little steam out of the movie because they really just turned it right back on where it left off. So, I mean, the height of suspense in the entire fucking movie, and there's like, well. We're right here in the middle. We're not going to start over. We're just. I can see Corey just being so angry, just like standing up and be like, okay, is everyone ready to watch this movie? We're not going to have any more seizures or any more bullshit. We can we get back to the goddamn movie. If anyone has any more seizures, get out of your system right now. Come just... on. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. 
<laughs> nah, it, it was annoying because that kind of interrupted the flow of the movie, and uh, I was excited about it. Speaking of interrupting for flow, uh, Chris, what, what have you been watching? <laughs> Dude, I have been so obsessed with uh, American movie uh, this, yes, like, have. the last... Oh, Dude, wow, okay. I can't get enough of it. Like, I've watched it so many times throughout the years. I love, love, love that movie. If, if people are listening, you haven't... If you never watch it, it's basically a documentary about a, a guy making a movie um, like back in the was like the early 2000s or so. Uh, and he's just so eccentric. The main character, his name's Mark Borchardt, uh, and he his best friend, uh, Mike Shank. And they're just trying to make this uh, horror film oh, called wow. Coven that he can then use the proceeds to fund the filming of his like his you know, his dream film called Northwestern. Uh, he's still never finished Northwestern. He's still working on it. He's just, he's just the, one of the most eccentric people I've ever seen, but yet he's still so inspiring because he has this like unwavering resolve that he's just going to finish this film. And you see like how almost out of touch he can be at times, but yet he's still so steadfast in his like, his knowing that he's going to finish this movie. Uh, and I love it. And so any feel like I personally need some sort of like inspiration or just like something to help me kind of give me a kick in the ass to get moving on something. I'll watch that uh, because I get so motivated. Like I want to start creating stuff because it's his, his like his drive and everything to me is just so infectious uh, that I want to go and create shit too. Um, because he's so good at what he does. Well, you heard it here first, first folks. If, uh, if Mark Bouchard's people are out there, let's let's hook it up. Let's get him on the show. We'd love to talk to him about the process and where he's at in the uh, you know in the process right now. Uh, yeah, he can do the uh, we can do the interview with him at your house, Chris, and then Darcy can be at my house when we land that one. Also, I mean, we, I know I know they're out there lurking and listening. You know, they so that if they're out there, let's 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 hook it up. Let your people talk to our people. Let's make it happen. We but, have people. <laughs> yeah, no, we. You're, have. you're the person. Like, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're the people. Damn it, we we are the people. Why are you the people? So I I ended up buying a copy of the DVD of American Movie off eBay for like sixty dollars. Um, this past week because you just can't find it anymore. <clears throat> but the main reason why I bought it is it actually has a copy of Coven on the DVD <laughs> as like a bonus because his film Coven, you can't see it anywhere else. Like it's not on YouTube. I've looked and it's nowhere else available. So it's really the only place you can get it is on that DVD. So I've never even seen Coven to this day. I haven't. Uh, and so I, Hopefully this week I get the the movie and I'm gonna be able to watch Coven finally. I'm so excited about it. Now that's a watch along movie right there. Would, hell yeah, that would be. No awesome. one else can watch along. <laughs> so that's what I've been watching. Um, I, I'm I'm still obsessed with Martin Borchardt. I'm probably gonna keep talking about him uh, because uh, I have an obsession with them right now. So that's yeah. The, y'all aren't involved in like the constant texts we get throughout the day from Chris. <laughs> Uh, like these weird, like scaly clad pictures of this Midwestern dude with a mullet and like really focused on the nipples. It's He's got great nipples. I'll say that. That's They're nothing. long. Hey, you better watch out for my screenshots. All right. 
Oh man. Okay, so that's wow, what we've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what we've been watching uh, this past week. Uh, let's shift gears. Let's talk about this movie, Burial Ground. Now, Corey, um, why don't you start us off on uh, just giving us the rundown on what this movie, the the premise of this, if it has one. It what does. do we have here? It okay. Does. Okay. Okay. Um, so basically what we have here is, um, a professor is doing some archeology span and as a result of this archeology, span he unleashes a horde of zombies and, uh, they do what zombies do. They, um, ball, they eat people, they tear them apart. Uh, and then, um, we the finale of the movie is something you just gotta see. I mean, if y'all have not seen, you gotta check this one out because, uh, like, I know when I first saw it, I did it totally blind, just like oh, I had heard because I'm in lots of Facebook groups for these like grindhouse movies and whatnot, and I'm just like, what's a you know good old nasty movie? And I had heard about this, so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot, and. Um, I watched it, and of course, my wife sitting in the kitchen, just kind of half paying attention, and she's subjected to this terrible stuff that's going on without even asking for it. So, um, but yeah, uh, this one was released in Italy in July of 1981. It did not make it over to the states until December of '85 because um, there's lots of stuff with uh, the censorship because. I guess what they could get away with in Italy was a lot more lenient than what they could over here. So uh, it took about four and a half years to make it across the ocean. Um, the director, Andrew Bianchi, he uh, is pretty well known as a sleaze maestro, if you will. Just one of those guys that would, if he was over in the States, he'd be working for Roger Corman. Yeah, Cody? That used to be my stage name, actually, Sleaze Maestro. <laughs> Sleaze Maestro? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, he was known as just a guy that could make a really cheap movie uh, under budget and really fast because they shot this movie in four weeks uh, at this place called Villa Parisi, uh, about 12 miles outside of Rome. And I'll get into that location, but uh, Andrew Bianchi, Lots of the interviews I was watching, they're talking about just he was known as the guy that did basically dirty movies. Um, one of his first movies was Cry of a Prostitute. Uh, another one, Strip Nude for Your Killer, which I watched last night uh, for research. Uh, that's just <laughs> this is a pretty standard giallo. Um, lots and lots and lots of nudity. Basically, a chick dies on the abortion operating table. And then someone is coming after everyone that was uh, involved with it or worked with her. And, you know, typical Jalo, black leather, lots of stabs, lots of boobs. Uh, pretty good. The one movie I wanted to talk about that Andrea Bianchi did before this is called Malabimba, the Malicious Whore from 1979. Ooh. Now, this one, basically, um, a vengeful spirit possesses a young girl named Bimba. Bimba then exposes the sexual vices and perversions of her family. So they send her off to live with a nun, Sister Sophia, who is portrayed by the actress who played the mother, whose nipple you can see right over my shoulder right now. I um, just realized that, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that your background is a giant nipple with that creepy little boy in the background. 
Well, the way you say that, that makes it sound almost illegal. Look, he's like, he's, <laughs> I'm telling you. It is illegal. Like, in, no, he, he's in his 20s. He's inbred, of, is made of incest. I just know it. Like, I know that he's like weird. He has like one of those like he only eats like fish skin. That's like his only food he wants to eat. You know, it has to be crispy. It has to be crispy. And also, like when they did when they finally do an autopsy in his body, they'll find out his heart was like really small and like like a small pickled pepper and like you know that he has got like water in his brain. He's definitely got water in the brain. Is that encephalitis? Encephalitis. Yeah, Yeah, he's got it. He just has it just naturally. Sorry. Oh my God! So I just had to go in on this guy because watching that, watching this little dude <laughs> oh, yeah. on screen and hearing his his, and that's obviously not his real voice, Mama. You know, no. uh, but uh, but hearing that voice is terror, bro. It's pure terror. If I heard that from the back of my house, I'd run. I leave my wife and my dog. I just bounce out the window. I just dive headfirst in a plate glass window if I heard that fucking noise in the middle of the night. He ain't biting my head off. <laughs> So, uh, sorry. <laughs> so oh, they God. send off Bimba to live with Sister Sophia. The relationship between Bimba and Sister Sophia grows more confidential, and between them, a loving friendship is born. But in reality, Bimba, subjugated by the soul of a evil spirit, sexually tempts the nun into a downward spiral of unspeakable debauchery. So that's where it kind of goes the way uh, movies I like just. You know, anytime you get dirty nuns, I'm in. I mean, nun exploitation is where it is at. Uh, then he uh, made Burial Ground uh, in 1981, and after that, he made he kept making movies, but nothing um, that lived up to this. He peaked with, right here with Burial Ground, I think, and uh, the malicious horror movie. Um, so it was also written by another guy who did a bunch of these Italian movies. Uh, I really wasn't even aware that he had done so many that I've watched uh, his name. And let's go ahead and um, put this out there. I'm going to butcher some Italian words and names in this uh, episode because I am not Italian. I don't speak it and we're going to fuck it up. So you're canceled. Okay, fine. I'm going to even start. Uh, so it's written by a fellow named Piero Regnoli, Rinoli, Regnoli, Ravioli. Uh, so he wrote. Yep, yep, yep we're getting canceled. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, this is this is how someone else got sponsored, so we're good. Chef <laughs> Boyardee. Chef Boyardee uh, sponsorship. <laughs> so he wrote over 110 screenplays during his career, from like sword and sandal movies, westerns, horror, sexy comedies. Uh, he wrote um, Cry of a Prostitute, Malabimba, uh, Nightmare City, which is one of the movies I've reviewed in the past with uh, Running Zombies, a movie called Patrick Still Lives, which is one of the movies I bought recently and uh, waiting for it to get here, which is supposed to be just really, really nasty. Uh, this one, Satan's Baby Doll, The Bronx Executioner, and Demonia, which is one of Lucio Fulci's last movies. Uh, but... The guy that writes all this trash and sleaze, his side job, he was the film critic for the Vatican's daily newspaper. So he's Whoa. employed by the Catholic Church, I'm guessing. I don't know how the Vatican works, but he's writing all this bizarre outlandish type shit. So I think he's just an independent contractor for the Vatican, so it's all cool, man. Maybe. I don't know. I just 
I wonder what movies he was reviewing for the Vatican State. <laughs> Lazervatore well, Romano. Well, it's probably some like like y'all saw that the Pope liked that one uh, nice ass pic of that chick on Instagram, right? You saw that <laughs> shit. His his official account was just like boop, oops. He was just scrolling, you know, and like I guess he hit it. Uh, and he, I, I didn't think he followed that kind of thing, but I'm down. I'm down. Well, I mean, at least it's that instead of like a little boy. I, yeah. I couldn't imagine like what type of films like a bunch of uh, Catholic priests would be into. I can. I can imagine what, what they watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't think much fucking yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that, I, I can only. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to imagine that. I, I don't. Let's just keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then uh, to round out the people that made this movie, the producer, uh, Gabrielle Crisanti, um, he's kind of like a poor man's Italian Roger Corman. Uh, some of his movies include The Lusty Wives of Canterbury, uh, Giallo in Venice, which um, is a – I haven't been able to track this one down, but apparently it is super, super sleazy, so I'm looking for it. Uh, Patrick Still Lives, Satan's Baby Doll, uh, a movie called Fleshy Doll. So a bunch of really classy type things. And uh, I think Burial Ground just matches what he's been doing. And uh, with that, let's uh, get right into how this movie starts. I do have Uh, a question, Corey. Okay. Okay, so... These movies that you're watching all came out in like what the was it like usually the the late 70s and 80s? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Where okay, if you if you were Corey McGuire, but you were living you know back in the 70s and 80s back in Crowley, where do you think you would have had to have gone to go to see these films? Um, I'm thinking back then, hmm. and you know someone like uh. Rob Kruger could probably answer this type of question since he probably was alive back then. Yeah, he was alive. Uh, I would think you'd have to go to like drive-ins and shit, like maybe in Dallas. I'm not sure they had them in Fort Worth that would uh, show stuff like that. But yeah, this is like straight up drive-in fare. Just okay, okay. Sleazy, just cheap, and uh, definitely not playing at the local Cineplex for you know the. (laughs) Monday after Christmas or something. I don't know what they would mean. I can only imagine that it would have been awesome, though, to see some of these films, like, at a, in a drive-in or something like that, just see really sleazy shit like yeah. that that, you know, you can't see anywhere else. That like would a be double cool. feature of this and fucking uh, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, some shit like that. Right on, yeah. yeah. So uh, this movie, we start off with uh, some dude with a big bushy beard. He finds a stone tablet in a cave. We're given no background on this, no explanation, which is fine because I'm not here to see that. I want to see some gore and some boobies. Um, <laughs> later, he goes back to investigate this cave, and then out of nowhere, for no reason, some zombies start coming out of the little tunnels and coming at him. And he, uh, his way to try to convince the zombies not to munch on him is no stay back i am your i'm your friend, friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was he trying to like resurrect them or something like i thought like he was doing some sort of like spell or some shit to like bring them back or something i i thought he was just dusting I mean, off some old artifacts and just oh shit they came alive my bad 
Well, like, right after he finds the tablet, he, like, tries, it sounds like he's trying to read what's on it, so I'm just thinking maybe it's kind of like an Evil Dead thing that uh, by reciting the passage or something. The that it, yeah. Uh, the guy that plays the professor, um, here we go again, Raimondo Barbieri, I guess that's not too hard, uh, he really has two credits to his name, this, and then uh, something called The Third Solution, he wrote something uh, Atlantic. I don't even want to try to pronounce all that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so he tries to convince these zombies that he's their friend. They're not having it. And, uh, they take him down. Uh, next we see a bunch of people, uh, like three car loads of folks pulling up to this, uh, villa out in the Italian countryside, basically to kind of celebrate why were the professor discovered? I mean, again, we're not given too much information on what's going on. They're just showing up and uh, like, yay, we're here to see the professor. Uh, did y'all, am I alone on that? Or was I just not paying attention? I no, thought, literally zero exposition. Like no one explains why they're there. Am I, I, am I, I don't know if I heard that. I thought one of them like owned that whole thing because they they had like a maid and a butler and stuff yeah. to do them. So it seemed like someone owned that property. Like some one of those one of the, the couples like owned it, and that's just where the professor they let them live there. So I don't. It was weird as shit. But <laughs> I thought that like well, yeah, one of them owned it and they lived there, you know, part of the year or something. And they hadn't been it. It was obvious because they said something like, oh, we haven't seen you in several months or something like that. So. Yeah, there's really no explanation given how these couples know each other or how they know the professor. Uh, but, I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm not watching this for this deep, thought-provoking story. I'm watching it to see from fucking zombies. Uh, again, like I said, that place is called Villa Parisi. It's in a town called Frescati, about 12 miles outside of Rome. It was built uh, in the early 1600s by some cardinal fella. Uh, then this guy named Cardinal Borghese bought it in 1615. He was the nephew of Pope Paul V and, uh, the patron of the painter Caravaggio and the artist Bernini. So, I mean, we're classy here at blood sucking geeks. We're not just talking about titties getting bit off. We're talking about fine art. Uh, <laughs> but th this place was used for lots of Italian horror movies, uh, 1974, Blood for Dracula with Udo Kier. Uh, 79's Patrick Still Lives. Mario Bava's Bay of Blood and Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Um, just a whole bunch of movies that they made at this place. Because uh, on my Blu-ray of this movie, they do a special feature where this film critic dude just takes you on a tour of the villa. And it's pretty neat how so many different places in there have been used uh, throughout the years in Italian cinema. Um so all these people show up and let's be honest, these people are horny as fuck. <laughs> they don't really give a shit about any of these archeological discoveries. They came here to get their bone on. Uh, one lady just finds some random lingerie and dresses up and her husband or boyfriend. <laughs> I love this. I, I want one of y'all to try it. I'm not brave enough to try it on my wife, but uh, you look just like a little whore, but I like that in a girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I'm best part, the best out. part about hearing that line is I, I did write it down in my notes, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Because you know, it's an Italian film. They look like they're speaking English, but it's all dubbed. Yeah, know? yeah. And the dub is like, honestly, 
it's like legendary. It's glorious. And it's mm-hmm. like in its in its sink, it's sink off, you know, it's great. But when I heard that line, I was like, holy shit, dude in the booth was like, I'm gonna add to this spot. I got <laughs> No. Another thing about these types of movies, and I hope we can do more of these later on, uh, is the dubbing because these Italian movies back then they had people from all over the fucking world uh, working on them. So lots of different languages. And even if they were speaking Italian, that's the language they're using or English, they would still dub it. So you had all these different languages. They're all dubbed. Some is better than most than others, but um, that's just kind of one of the, you know, charms of these types of movies. It's just the shitty dubbing. Um, so they're getting busy after that smooth line. Um, then Michael, 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 played by the great Peter Bark. Uh, Cody, do you want to read his IMDb profile? Do you have that handy? Yes, I do. I have it right here. So, so I, you know, when you see this kid on screen, when you're going to see his little head, it looks like a character that they would draw in the background, like the Simpsons of Rick and Morty. And you'd be like, who the <laughs> fuck is that? That kid looks like a ball sack. But so I went there and I, 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 I mean, I saw it. And look, this is just the IMDb. I'm just reading. Don't kill the messenger. Listen, Peter Bark was a supremely creepy and nerve, unnerving Italian midget thespian who bore an, <laughs> an uncanny resemblance to diminutive Dario Argento. So one more, once again, supremely creepy and unnerving Italian midget <laughs> is literally in the first sentence of his IMDb description. I mean, he definitely has control over that. It's not like someone just went and wrote that, you know? Yeah. But man, I'm here to tell you, like this guy, this guy made a career of just that one, that one creepy little head, you know? Yeah. Literally this, uh, he really did nothing else other than this. He has a few uncredited roles. Um, and then the last thing on his IMDb page is Peter still lives. And it's just a Q and a from a film screening of this, uh, I guess around 2016. And he say, you know, he quit the business shortly thereafter. Uh, his real name is Pietro Barzocchini. Uh, Barzocchini. Barzocchini. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he, actually, goes all in, he goes all in and directly so, fingers his own mother in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he he gets the tip in, I think. I was um, going to say, if, if this is the one film that you you act in, I think... I mean, he has PTSD. It was pretty good, you know, just for like a, a, a young actor. If this is just the one thing, you get to suck a boob on yeah. film, and that's he was, it. He was too good as a tip. <laughs> Yeah, he may have been, he was typecast is what it was. And there was just no other film roles for that ever again. So he just yeah, never he said acted. all he did were like screwball comedies. And he kept like saying screwball comedies, which I found kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> what does there, that, what does that mean? There's, and what's weird is like the direct or the producer, when he was talking about said he was 25 years old, uh, Peter Bark or Pietro, uh, says he was 20 so i don't i'm not i don't know how old he was and literally there's really not much out there as far as like background on this fella um but either way they had to get an actor who was short enough and could appear as a child as freaky and creepy as a child as he is because obviously some of the content of this movie the uh 
sexuality of it and then the gore uh, the italians did have pretty strong laws about what conditions children could work under and also i would think human decency um you wouldn't want a small child doing this type of stuff so uh if y'all do watch this i i didn't realize it when i first watched it because i was just like that's a creepy ass fucking kid <laughs> uh and i was like holy shit they're actually having this child do some pretty rough stuff and then you know i looked it up and he was not a child he's a 20 something year old actor that's just creepy as fuck um so yeah he stumbles in to his parents bedroom while they're banging and uh he just stares at him and his mother makes no effort to cover up she's just out there with her boobies out just like hey you stop doing that you get on out of here now. fantastic the thing and, is like uh one of the next scenes that uh they have this long extended scene of one of these couples doing a like amateur photo shoot. Oh uh, dude, I, I love this whole scene. The lighting is amazing with the way he's like, when he's chasing this little girl, it's like all over the place. just getting her picture taken, but man, her fate is something else though. Yeah. Um, let's see here. This is Janet who is played by Karen. Well, who, uh, her and the other lady in this, Antonella Antonori, who played Leslie, uh, they basically had done some, uh, they just refer to them as erotic films. So I'm guessing kind of like either Skinamax type stuff or maybe actual hardcore porn. Uh, but that's, you know, the acting backgrounds of these people. And uh, <laughs> Janet tells Mark, you know, you better give me a raise and. Mark has a great line. You're getting a raise out of me, all right, but it has nothing to do with money. Yeah. <laughs> He's a boner. He's a boner. <laughs> uh, then I think one of the strangest scenes is the butler and the maid are kind of just going about their chores. Then all of a sudden, all these like glass chandeliers, their light bulbs come on, and then one by one they stop, start to pop, and they're all freaked out and. Again, zero explanation given. I, I love every like, second of that. Myself, you can't. I love every second of that because these 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 maids are like, oh fuck, okay, okay. The lights came on and the lights are like flicking, and I was like, oh, this is great special effects. When the lights start exploding, it's because when these zombies get close enough, they just have this like telekinetic, I don't know, like electric pulse or like some sort of EMP. They're just like popping incandescence <laughs> left and right. But I thought the terror on the faces of the, the maids were because they're like, we got to clean this shit up now. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Supernatural or not, this is wrong. You see, I think the <laughs> butler and the maids, I, I think they would be the ones that would just be like, you know, this job don't pay me enough. Deuces. And then all these horny people can hang around and investigate. Fuck this shit. I'm out. So, but yeah, this is. I guess another appeal of these movies is you can fill in the story yourself because the writer didn't take the time to do it. So, I mean, feel free. That's almost more fun to me. is just like creating our own story. Yeah. Because it's not there on screen. That's for sure. Uh, so then this couple that was doing the photo shoot there, uh, seriously, these couples do nothing but fuck. There's nothing else that they're here for other than to bang. And uh, so they're out there uh, getting frisky on the lawn. And one of the silliest things, you had this maggot-covered zombie corpse claw his way 
out from the ground. I mean, then it's 40 seconds. Them, like, it's 40 seconds. Crawl. It's the most indulgent. It's like Terrence Malick was, was hired to film a zombie crawling sequence. Because this <laughs> shit... This shit takes so long. I went to the bathroom and came back and was like, motherfucker's still crawling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes them a while to get out of that grave. But the whole thing is, they must have just been really into making out because this shit's going on not 10 feet from them for over 60 seconds. And they don't notice a goddamn thing until the zombie grabs one of them by the leg. I mean, I've never heard a zombie crawl out of the ground, but I'm sure it's not quiet. Well, have you ever had like a really loud makeout session before? Not that loud, Alan. Listen, zombies and queefs, very similar <laughs> noise. Okay, so I, I'm going to give this part just a benefit of the doubt. Okay, she was just queefy that day? <laughs> White. <laughs> okay, uh, so then they have, um, basically, they're like, holy shit. And then out of nowhere, the entire grounds of this place are overrun with the living dead. And uh, they're the classic slow uh, stumbling zombies. They're not anything like um, 28 Days Later or anything like that. But I'm going to give their Stromble. I'm going to give their Stromble an A plus because the, these zombies Stromble for that year, for 40 years ago almost. Yeah, that's pretty good. No, yeah, it's good for sure. And as we'll see later on, th- although they're not quick zombies, they are smart zombies. Um, they will then, use tools and other shit. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Then we go back to uh, Evelyn and Michael and George, so the family with the creepy kid. Is this and one in the kitchen? At, no, this is when they're in the room with all the archaeological statues oh, yeah, and bad. shit. And... Um, <laughs> Peter, I remember the first time I saw this movie, this line stuck out to me. He's smelling this piece of, like, burlap. He goes, Mother, this cloth smells it of smells death. smells like death. <laughs> it's, it's just such a weird fucking thing. I mean, what I does that the way, smell like? I love the way that the mom takes the piece of cloth and just discards it, like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Fuck like, that. Get this shit out of here, son. Yeah. So, um, at that point, uh, out of nowhere, again, Zombies start attacking well, them. It at this point, it's three. It's three zombies, and they start encroaching from all sides of the kitchen or, or artifact room. Motherfucker pulls out a pistol that couldn't have more than six shots in it and yeah. drops 11 beans in them. Just pop, pop, <laughs> pop, pop, pop. 11 shots. And this is one of my favorite sequences in any low-budget horror in a long time Is are these close-up insert shots of the zombies getting shot in the stomach and this, like, yeah. Campbell's Soup, like, Ovaltine... Uh, oh, like gee. Willy Wonka chocolate Yoo-hoo. factory juice. Like, yeah, it is you who oh, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot milk water. that is literally not classified as milk. Motherfuckers. Next time you drink a you who look on the back and read it. It says, look, this is not a milk drink. Don't try and try me. That's what it says. So, what, so what did you think it is just water and like cocoa powder? Or something? I guess. Yeah. They, they, I, they probably had like these, you know, they're, they're staying in like Italy and they're, you know, they have all these like hotel, like cocoa packets. And they were like, Fuck it, just mix that with some water. It'll it'll fall at the bottom. But man, it's like one of those real like mud butt situations, though. Yeah, for sure. And just the sheer number because we have a scene later on where they do something similar to this with heads exploding. <laughs> but just it's I thought they kind of went a little overboard with how many times they did this 
because it's not really that interesting of a shot. It's a close up of like their body, then the whole, then like some oval teener you who's squirting out, and they do this like seven, eight, nine times. And but hey, it is what it is. The way um, the way that this editor like uh like stretches the material and the way the material is filmed is that if this was snappier and this was beat by beat, this would be like a forty minute movie instead of yeah. ninety six or. 106 or whatever many minutes it is yeah but it's just a little bit over an hour and a half i think yeah it's but it's it's not very long but the the thing that makes it long are these long indulgent cuts that were just like yeah "Eh?" (laughs) well again i mean that's the you know the exploitation way is they know that violence and sex sells and the more you have stuff like that you don't care it's why they're at this house how they know each other people want to see zombies heads exploding uh people getting their guts ripped out and eating i mean that's what i would say this is a perfect movie for like a house party but the movie's on the tv but you're not hearing it you're just seeing it and everyone yeah. is just kind of like oh so we're just gonna listen to like the pet shop boys and watch this movie okay <laughs> No, there's a bar in Austin, the Jackalope, and they would play just fucking horror movies. It's kind of like a punk type bar, and they would play horror yeah. movies on the TV all the time. And it was one of those things that you just you didn't need to. But this would be a great uh, flick to do that. Um, so there, I'm, I'm also yeah, convinced. I'm also convinced that if you took the latest Katy Perry album, like the last Katy Perry album, and started it when this movie starts, it will sync up perfectly i just know it you think? that's just kind of the art that she puts out okay okay uh <laughs> so back to the movie um evelyn and george and michael are being attacked by zombies and i love this uh evelyn and michael are just like you know what you got a gun you got this deuces and they just peel out of there leave their husband father where the fuck he is behind yeah they don't they're just like nope (laughs) i'm outie uh so at that point george runs out of bullets instead of making a run himself he just is like no as the zombies attack him and pile on him and pull him down to the ground and we have the first of many uh the classic romero zombie gut eating scenes where they just rip open his insides and start pulling out organs chewing on them and whatnot. And another uh, thing I loved about this movie and the homage factor of the, the zombie eating is that when a zombie gets a hold of someone and like ends them or gets a chunk, they're so transfixed on that chunk and they're like oh, dancing yeah. with it. And in a bit, you know, they're like they're drunk on like blood and yeah. that they are like kind of vulnerable and they don't go after anyone in that moment. And it's like, they're very susceptible to getting caught on fire or, you know, or beheaded. <laughs> Because uh, seriously, put him on fire, mama. Yeah. <laughs> the green juice definitely got in the stunt guy's mouth because you can yeah, see yeah. it. Like it goes in the mask and comes out. Sorry, I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead a few moments. So uh, we go back to um, the another couple and they're making out outside because that's what all these people do. And this ruling really kind of bugged me because they see a zombie and there's like, oh, my a fucking zombie then they see another one it's like it's another zombie then they see another one and it's a third zombie they wait to make a move until they're like totally surrounded by like double digit numbers of zombies and so just you see one you you book it i don't understand why they're waiting around to see how many there's going to be before they take off that that bugged me um 
but so they do take off and eventually <laughs> um Janet and Mark are photo shooting people uh are running as well and Janet steps in a bear trap that some asshole just left out on the property. Okay, how many bear traps do you all have out? Thank right you now? for fu- thank you for clarifying that because I'm sitting there thinking, holy shit, are these zombies like did they go there? Did they put a fucking bear <laughs> trap down? I was like, well, which one of these motherfuckers watched Halloween or something? You know, like, like they're they're pulling a Mike Myers, like, uh, you know, make it a, 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 a sort of a Home Alone type of chorus for him. But I'm just glad. Thank you for clarifying that, because I was like, someone just left a bear trap in the woods. And that bitch was affected by that. I will tell you I that. Much. I cleared it up necessarily. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's such a Janet thing to do. It's oh, like, it's yeah. a- Classic Janet. You're in a whole goddamn forest, and you step in the one area where there's the one bear trap. God damn it, Janet. And I would think that you could spot a bear trap pretty easily. Yes, of course. Any normal person could, except Janet. Janet. Fucking Janet. Uh, so, and then Mark. In the, Mark is so fucking useless. He's <laughs> trying to open the bear trap to free Janet. And it's like a fucking naked gun bit. He keeps losing his good fight, keeps slamming back down on her over and over. She's just screaming her head off. Hey, who the fuck does that guy? Does he look like Bob Goulet or somebody to y'all? He looks like an American actor, and I keep I can't place him. He just like looks like, you know. I, honestly, I would love to see a remake of this film with like Bill Hader playing him. You know, like. Well, I mean, his name is Gianluigi Crizzi. Crizzi. So uh, that's not it. sure what Gianluigi's doing these days, but he might be available. Um, so <laughs> they're doing this, and then finally, um, some other people come up to see. Okay, Mark, this motherfucker, he's already <laughs> fucked his girl's leg up by fucking with this bear trap. Then he goes and gets a pitchfork. Oh god! <laughs> the way he uses this pitchfork, because okay. Imagine you and a zombie have a face-off, and you got a fucking pitchfork. <laughs> your natural thing to do is to raise it above your head and club them on top of the head with the pitchfork. Stabbing with a pitchfork, that's too fucking obvious. Too obvious. Dude, he had, he had a erectile a- dysfunction of the pitchfork, and the zombie <laughs> literally just slap, bitch slaps it out the way. Like, get yeah. this pitch, pitchfork, motherfucker. I feel like it's the same thing, like, as in pro wrestling when they have, like, a sledgehammer in the ring. Like, they never actually pick it up and hit someone with it like they fucking should. They should crack their head open and fucking kill them. That's what I do to the Undertaker. I fucking crack his head open. Intercontinental champion, baby. But instead, they wrap their hand around the top of, like, the yeah. mallet and just hit them in the stomach yeah, with it. Like, plates doesn't know how to use it. I know he's a fucking idiot. But anyway, I feel like they subscribe to the WWE way of like how this is how you handle weapons. Yes. I'm just the pitchfork overhead as a bludgeoning device. <laughs> Use the and sharp like, as a bludgeon device. Yeah. And then like Cody said, this next time he comes down, the zombie's just like, get this noise out of here, throws the pitchfork <laughs> away. And this guy, he's having the zombie approach him and he's backing back slowly. Then he basically just stops and lets the zombie strangle him. I mean, he could easily just like. No, no, no. He puts his hand on his neck. He, he like, guides his hand. He's like, oh, no, daddy, here, there. Here's the. (laughs) He's calling him daddy. Oh, so this, you're saying this was a consensual. 
like act here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow. That's a good premise for a zombie movie where like people are like allowing the zombies to, uh, to like fornicate upon movie. them. Yeah. Uh, so oh, at this oh, Jesus. <laughs> so James and Leslie, uh, the mustachio <laughs> gentleman and his lady show up and, uh, they got some rocks and they're ready to bash smoking rocks. some zombie skulls in with some, I mean, these zombies, they need to moisturize, let's be honest, because they are dry. It reminds me of that candy that you, like, you get, it's in, like, a Whitman's, and there's nothing inside of it, and you're like, what the fuck? When they smash the zombie brains, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like old oh, it's Mar- Mallow like, Cups. It's, it's one like of those, like, Mallow Cups and Peeps. Those, like, hollow, like, uh, like, uh, Bunny, like chicken, like uh, the, yeah. like bunnies that are hollowed. It's just there's nothing inside. Oh. I love, I love this one shot of when they, like, I mean, look, they, they really dive into the psyche and the PTSD of having to smash the brain of a person <laughs> with the shot of a mustachio dude because he kills the zombie with a rock, which is an amazing slow mo. You see the hair and everything, and then. And then they show him and he's like, ah, like he's like, he's, he's been affected. Like, fuck, I had to do that. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Yeah. No, I mean, it changes a person. It does. It really, you know, changes who you are once you explode a zombie skull with a rock. I feel um, like you guys call me out for like looking in, in too much to this shit. And like here, Cody goes way off the, the deep end here. How no, I think you? in terms of high art and especially I'm thinking in terms of like this is an Italian filmmaker. That Italian filmmaker was like, no, we cannot smash the brains unless we make this real for the the, the, the actor, <laughs> you know. So they go in there, and I don't know why they had they sound like a, a like a Serbian or a Turkish like uh, prison guard, but uh, but so like what? they go in there and they're just like, look, we got to do this. We got to get this close up shot of you crying like you've you've been affected by this. We're gonna go right back into the gore and the horror, but first. And I said whore. It's a W. It's a W-H. You did. Oh, my gosh. Whore back. Whore uh, so at this point, uh, we cut to check on uh, Creepy Boy and his mama. And they're mama. running. Oh. And they're, like, in some weird room. And, Mama, we can set it on fire. And at that point, she does the old chopping mall routine where she gets some green paint. And just throws it on the zombie, and then she lights a match and literally walks up to him <laughs> and touches the match to his chest, and whoop, we got okay. At this point in time, I'm thinking about the stunt performers in this movie, and I'm like, holy shit, because none of this feels like it's sanctioned. And when you catch a person on fire on film, like there's immediately motherfuckers off the side with uh, fire extinguishers ready to douse you. Okay, well, there's all these reaction shots of fire on her face and the little kid's face. There's all these long shots of him be on fire. There's him on, the, on fire on the ground. And when she hits him with the fire goo, I can see it. The actor or the stunt guy gets the fire goo right in the right in the mouth, right in the beak, you know, because it like it goes in and kind of like kind of comes out like just a little like spasm afterwards. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what is this like fire goo that he just probably imbibed? Oh, it's just fucking paint. And uh, and man, but I've seen, I've seen some awesome fire gags go like nearly wrong, where like the actor was like, you know, you usually you're not supposed to breathe during that, obviously. You know, and if you do, you can get fucked up. And the actor did, and, and he was fine. But for a second, it was just a giant ass flame came straight out the, the mouth. Well, now that you mention it, um, 
actually during this scene, the actor, no shit, got set on fire and the director like had them not do anything for a minute because he thought the reactions were so much more authentic because they were fucking authentic because the dude's on fire. He's like he's no screaming way. on the ground. He's still filming. Then once he gets his shot, then he let people come in and pull him out. Wow. Actress, it was too real uh, for me. It's too real. No, the actress um, who played Evelyn, whose name is Mariangela Giordano, said is like one of the most traumatic moments in her career is seeing this guy on fire screaming Let's because also, uh, the gag went wrong. Let's also not forget about the fact that when she threw the paint on him, that was probably lead-based. And so think of the long-term effects here. Lead-based, okay. like, accelerate. Why are you reading so much into this, damn it? <laughs> Well, Corey uh, also has a beautiful story about, about about fire. About yeah, fire. I, I, I have set my face on fire before, and it is not fun. Lead uh, is a silent killer. I just want to put this tip out there. If you're ever blowing fire using alcohol, do not use Everclear. Nothing above 151, because with Everclear, the vapor of the alcohol will ignite and catch your face on fire. Stick with 151. That's you heard it here first, kids. Yeah. I don't know what our demographic of audience is, but I hope that it's not that that they're still fucking like doing shots of Everclear. I I actually just want to have an audience. I don't care what the demographic is. <laughs> oh look, Anyone. no, if we, if we if we go specifically for the Everclear audience, that's like at least yeah. a million people. Yeah, we can be the podcast of Everclear. And we can get them to I'll subscribe multiple times a year because they'll forget, like, every month. Wait, did I? Yeah, there you go. I want to see what the Venn diagram is, though, of, like, Everclear users <laughs> and horror. Like, where does that, like, how, at what point does that intersect? I think Everclear, I think the circle of Everclear users kind of bounces all around, like, the ball and pong. Because it's so fucking wasted that it has no, like, meaning. Okay, it's just wherever okay. it happens to be. Have you ever put your pot in Everclear for, like, two or three weeks? No. And then drank oh the Everclear? Oh, oh yeah. Not. Yeah, that's how you make a tincture. I, I, I mean, I'm not advocating that anyone should do that or shouldn't do that. But I'm just saying, the, uh, apparently, that you can put as much as you want into a bottle of Everclear and let it let it evaporate. And the goo that's left behind you heard? is supposedly very good. You heard. Okay. You heard. Uh, you heard. So at this point, uh, everyone meets back up, and uh, after everyone being separated, doing their uh, little hanky-panky, we get the entire group back together inside the castle. Um, and this is the point I want to point out. I think this is a spot we can do a little bit of social commentary as they're boarding up these windows and doors to keep these zombies out from coming in, eating their flesh off their fucking bones. They still had the goddamn maid serving them drinks on a tray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at this point in time is as far as like uh stress and like anxiety goes, she was just doing what came naturally to her to make her feel more comfortable. Like no one said, Make me a drink, biatch. You know, like they were like, she kind of like it was like an inferred thing. If someone wanted that drink, she was just like, I'm here, my lord. Uh, Corey, I, the thing is, you have you forget this is like the hoity-toity, uh, like high high higher class uh, people that we're dealing with here. So, 
I think that, you know, they just they expect this level of service no matter what. Even in the face of death, they you still see, expect I, I, I to be waited upon. I don't think that they are all that hoity-toity because if they were that hoity-toity, fucking creepy kid would be off in some kind of home out in the countryside out of sight because well, no one in that hoity-toity society is going to have that, his creepy ass wandering around. That explains actually some of the plot now because – so that means that the mom had the money because otherwise her kid would have been the fuck out. Yeah. You know? So she either paid for the whole thing or is financing everyone's photography and like romps <laughs> through the forest and stuff, you know, like, cause I think that maybe that boy is the, uh, like the offspring of some sort of incentive. He's the benefactor. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh no, no, no. Okay. 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 So the priest did had sex. With someone of his own bloodline, that's that's our little baby, you know. That's that's little mama's little baby. Okay, we'll go with that. But but she got the priest jizz from a turkey baster, like he didn't give it willingly. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, after the maid is serving drinks to everyone, they send her ass out to make sure all the other windows are shut because <laughs> she's the help. And so while she's leaning out to pull some shutters down, one of these zombies got like a railroad spike and he fucking tosses it and pins her hand to the wall. I thought she was getting crucified, bro. I thought she was straight up crucified. First off, stigmata, bitch. A non zombie being able to do this. But but yeah, it's like one of those spikes that they nailed the Jesus guy up. It's fucking ridiculous. The Jesus guy. (laughs) She's there with her hand pinned to the wall. And these zombies, they start fucking raising. So she's like on a second story window. These zombies get like a scythe and they raise it up and slowly, slowly bring it down and decapitate the lady. Okay. One of my favorite effects is the torso effect. They cut back to where her head was and the torso just wiggles a little bit. And like blood kind of <laughs> blood kind of like blood kind of like that secondary like supposed jism, you know, like just like kind of it just kind of Yeah. It, and it was like I loved it like just how limp the, the body like the torso shimmy, shimmy was. Gave me the yeah. chills, bro. Yeah, it is a pretty cool scene. Her head drops down to the zombies below. And they start juggling it and playing with it and, you know, chewing on it. Then um, a little bit later on, James, the mustache fella, he comes up, sees her. He's like, oh, shit. So instead of leaving her there, because why why the fuck not? No, he's like, I'm just getting rid of this fucking body. Tosses her out the window. But it turns out her hand is nailed so firmly to the house, her body's dangling there. With her hand nailed to the house, the zombies pulling down on her legs <laughs> until they pull hard enough that the railroad spike just rips through her hand between her fingers, and they pull her body down. You get the intestine chomping and whatnot, and uh, fun for the whole family. Uh, what did you think about that as far as them just not being done with the body yet? That is, that is by far – that's the point in the movie where I was like, this is the best death. I mean, like, you know, the most undeserved of all characters, best death, you know, like, and I also wonder, and we'll get to this later on, but I wonder if, if you had a breast and someone bit it off, would you die immediately? Or is it just a, did you pass out? Do you pass out? Like, well, I want to say that this is 
strangely not the first movie I saw this week where a boob got bit off. What? He, fucking yeah. A. No, um, rather fucking B. Manuel and the Last Cannibals. First part of the very first, I think, scene is a lady gets her boob bit off. So, so honestly, the best double feature out there is is Burial Ground uh, and then Emmanuel. That's like that's like your your dream double feature of, of it, Italian it, sexploitation. It Gordo. is a double feature. Yes, <laughs> it could be a double feature. <laughs> so so after the poor maid meets her demise, uh, then we have a scene of like I said, these zombies they're slow, but they, goddamn they're inventive because. It seems as if they have found a tool shed and we have a little montage of this. They're basically lined up single file going to the tool shed, getting their weapon and then walking away. And now they have fucking pickaxes, hoes, hatchets, sticks. And so now they're going to the front door of this house and trying to chop it down. Jack Nicholson's um, at that point, the mustache guy is up on the balcony and he comes to the realization that they can only be killed by blowing their heads off. And out of nowhere, he has a shotgun and he starts to snipe them from the balcony. And this is one of the fun insert fests of the movie because he shoots. They cut to what is clearly just a head in just like a dark room and it explodes. And they do that over and over and over. <laughs> So it's kind of like the scene before in the artifact room where you have all the body shots and the yoo blood, but this time it's just the powdery, dusty zombie head explosions. So that's fun. Um, let's see. Then Leslie is going to get some medical supplies and out of nowhere, a zombie just punches through a window, grabs her and pulls her face through it. Dog, which, the way he grabs her head. Okay. I was like, that's a scare. That's one of the scariest jump scares of a while. Like, I didn't expect it. I mean, I saw the window. I saw the lady. And I thought, oh, he's going to pull her scalp off. No, 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 Dude pulls her face through the window. And the face they cut to, that, ooh, that, <laughs> that special effects face. That shit, they should have stayed with that a little bit longer. Because it was like this round, like, it looked, I don't know. It, it, it like, had like a milky, like a milk bag person look, you oh. know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, so this point, I would say this is kind of the point of the movie where things just totally break down and it doesn't this. You just kind of are along for the ride because even trying to do the beat by beat for it, it gets a little muddled because it's just one thing after another. It's just so much is it's happening. It's a fucking freight train. No, yeah. that's what I love about this movie. And it gives me a lot of like ideas in, in terms of like man fuck it like cold exposition i'm just gonna like start at point a and just cut kill fuck and like finagle my way to point b you know like that like yeah. fuck like it's just a straight line you know there's like some tempo some ebb and flow but man i just i love the freight train aspect of some of these older films that we pick and some of the i mean i'm not saying they're bad movies but i'm saying more the more independent productions that aren't as like polished or as stylized or as studio uh, like driven, you know, like in yeah, yeah, that's that's for damn sure with so, burial ground. Yeah, I mean, once it gets going, there's no stopping it. Um, I don't, I don't even know. Let's just get to it. This is by far, I think we can we're all in agreement. The creepiest scene in the movie oh, between God. Michael and his mother. So Michael's traumatized. He is just torn up because. 
I mean, shit, it's a zombie attack. And so his mom takes him to, you know, a little hallway off to the side and, uh, you know, is comforting him. And as she's, you know, holding it, her head to her breast and just, oh, it's okay. He starts to, no shit, pull her dress open and cop a feel. Yeah, yeah. On and her she, bare booby. She like, like, lets it happen. I mean, what is he saying during this? He's like, oh, mama, I need to feel you. I need to, I like a baby, like when I was a baby. Like, he <laughs> says some shit like that. And then, it is so creepy. And then the camera, I mean, like, look, okay, I'm all for it. Like, go there. But the camera, like, tilts down to the actual panty thong uh, hand and panty shot. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, you should have just left it, just left it up there on her face. Like, he's meeting her eyes instead of the, but they did that shit. Well, and the thing is, it's not like she's wearing a short skirt. She's wearing, like, what looks like this heavy fabric, long fucking dress. And he reaches all the way down to the floor and hikes that shit up. And so he's got her booby out, his other hand, you know, going between her legs. And finally, she's like, okay. I can't, I can't, I can't let this go. So she just much. smacks the shit oh, out of the she kid. She pimp slaps him. And I think also the, the, his natural reaction it was like, he was, you know, I mean, come on, it's his first time acting. He's 20, 25, whatever. I'm not going to say that he was like being a, a, a dickhead or being not chivalrous, but he probably wasn't being the best. He was probably going for it because the director was pressuring him. So when she hit him, she really hit him. And he was like, Ugh! like he was hurt. Like he yeah. was like his his yeah. shit was deflated. Yeah. Now she she wound up and uh, really laid it to him. Uh, and then he storms off because he's all butt hurt now because his mom wouldn't let him, uh, you know, yeah, God, it's so creepy. But he runs off. Hey, it's wrong? not. I'm it's be, it's not Tommy. It's not. It's cla- It's not a classic Tommy knockers type of moment. But you know, <laughs> it, it could be. Yeah. It is uh. Ugh. And that's the thing. Like I'm. Chris, you said your wife watched it with you. Uh, what was the reaction? She was just like, <clears throat> we were both like, what the fuck is going on right now? And I think at that point, as crazy as it sounds, like that's the part that probably like hooked her because like, it was just such a train wreck of like, what the fuck are we watching right like, now? Like how did we get here? Yeah. Like it's not something you typically see in a movie is like just, it, it was so creepy because of how long she let it go on that it made you feel like, this isn't the first time like they've done stuff like this. Dude, like, I, I, it's all probably I been going on for a long time. If we, if this was a Suncoast pick that we had watched in our teens, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we, like obviously people thought other people had hot moms, but you know, like at that point in time, our brains would not have been able to process this. Like, no, you know, no, no, it's uh, big yeah. brains, little brains, neither one of them. So he runs off and he uh, stumbles upon uh the lady Leslie who just had her head pulled through the window and she, he's like, Oh, you're hurt. You need help. And, uh, he slowly realizes she's a zombie. And, uh, at that point, um, yeah, he, but what I wanted to say, I won't lie. When I was, when I won't lie, when I first looked this movie up, I looked on IMDb and I spoiled this scene for myself in like the reviews. Someone wrote about it. And so I was kind of like, I'm not lying. I was kind of like waiting for it, you know, like with like, you know, like a little shield up, like, and so when it happened, it totally let my guard down for what happens later on, which I can't wait to get to that part. But I'm just saying it like 
you know, if if I was going to warn anyone about anything about this movie, I would tell them about the scene where the kid does this and not about the next couple scenes with the kid and the mom. Yeah, I mean, like, when I first watched this, this was just, I had heard it's a movie that is of note. And so I'm watching it. I was like, okay, pretty standard 70s Italian, 80s zombie flick. Okay, cool, cool. And with these movies, there's always something that just, like, Mm, just really sticks it to you. And uh, this is the part where you know where this movie's going, and it's not a fun place. Um, So at this point, they decide so smartly to let the zombies inside because maybe they can escape. Maybe they want something inside the house and not them. So uh, at this point, um, Evelyn goes off to get Michael, she finds him dead on the ground. Leslie is like munching on his arm, which she ripped off. And like you were saying, once these zombies get some meat, they don't really give a fuck about anything else. She's just sitting there just like watching the mom. It's like, okay, I got my that, arm. I think, I think that's almost made this whole scene that much more creepy. You know, like, it Oh yeah. And the look on the lady's face, even all the way through the whole scene. Like she's just like, all distant, yeah. like, like, I don't know what I did to you, lady. Like, do you like, want some? Yeah, help yourself. There's plenty left. <laughs> uh, so the mom, you know, bashes her skull on the uh, bathtub that she's leaning against. and uh, Strawberry runs, milkshake runs down yeah. the tub. <laughs> uh, then, you know, at this point, um, all the survivors escape out of the house. They get to a monastery. And then we have zombie monks. Uh, which is always fun. Fucking and- terrifying, bro. <laughs> Fucking terrifying. The faces on those zombies and that whole sequence as they pass through that chamber, I was like, uh, uh-uh. I I was done. I was kind of like, okay, let's <laughs> let's like, let's like, let's. All right, I'm watching this at two X now. I can't. I can't. Because um, there's the, no stopping uh, that. Those motherfuckers. That's like some de- demonic, like druid, fucking zombie, <laughs> fucking orthodox shit. Two yeah, more words. It, uh- I mean, it goes back to the whole, like, what, how do these zombies, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, not the living dead. They don't really give you, to start the movie off, any explanation. It's just, here's some zombies, watch them do their thing, and this is this movie does the same thing. Uh, I'm not comparing it to Night of the Living Dead, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, at this point, you know, the zombie monks chase them to this uh, place in the middle of the forest, and then that's where we see... Somehow, some way, this creepy little zombie kid has made it out this far away from the house and is waiting for them. And uh, the mother is so overjoyed to see her creepy ass kid that she's just like, fine, you know what? I know you want it. I guess I want it. So she just pulls out her booby is like, come get some. And so uh, you are as not you see, it as, like a, as a, a passive viewer, as a passive viewer, you are not ready for what happens next. Because and like I said, this I got this like totally, you know, like came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. No, no, no. So he this little kid comes up and again, it's a 20 year old man comes up and um, puts his mouth on that nipple. And he uh, he takes a bite out of crime. I mean, it's kind of like when it, it, he he bites it and takes it off. Like when you're outside with a popsicle, it's like about to go bad. Like you're like, oh, this popsicle is like about to start melting. I got to get the top off this. He just pulls it right off. Like this yeah. is mine now. Yeah. This Ninja Turtle is mine. 
No, and then, uh, you know, ah, lots of screaming, more zombies come in, and then basically, and this is the... Did she pass out or die? Does mom <sighs> pass out or die? Because because I knew everyone was doomed at this point, but I mean, like, she just kind of, like, does this, uh, and closes her eyes, and I thought, oh, is this, like, that that Bruce Lee movie or Jackie Chan movie where he hits the guy in the nuts so hard he dies, or did he just pass out? Because <laughs> this is Russian Priest in the e- Tale of the Eagle Shadow, or... Fist of the Eagle Shadow, it's like from the 70s, one of the best Jackie Chan's movies ever. And uh, there's this Russian priest who's like all karate like fight and stuff, and he's badass. And Jackie Chan just pops him right in the groin and like just rearranges his nuts to death. <laughs> I'm sure that's the way it's read in the script, too. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I guess she dies. I mean, I think at this point it's her, Mark, and Janet, the... Uh, photo people. Um, the only you know negative thing about this movie, I would say, I think after what we just saw, you don't necessarily need to do it. Is the the deaths are off screen because at that point, as the zombies descend on these survivors, um, we get a shot of Janet's face with all these zombie hands around her. You know what's going to happen. Freeze frame there. Then they have um, a really poorly spelled little postscript for the movie the prophecy of the black spider that says the earth the shall tremble, grave shall open they shall come among the livingest messengers of death and there shall be the knights of terror which no is, it says it says the niggas yeah it does n-i-g-t-h-s yes the prophecy is spelled p-r-o-f-e-c-y i liked that part the prophecy of the black spider i was like that sounds like a fucking franchise that someone needs to hop on. <laughs> I feel so, like yeah. it's like some sort of like 70s or 80s like Kung Fu clan. <laughs> see the Black Spider. I could see some shit like that. I'm sure that we can use that as some like, you know, deep dive trivia at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's the way the movie ends. And Knights of Terror is one of the uh, more well-known titles of this that in Burial Ground. Also, Burial Ground, colon, The Knights of Terror. So um, it ends with the title of the movie and uh, credits roll. And you have just seen the great Burial Ground. I'm not going to lie. I I love the fucking shit out of this movie. And I give it four and a half uh, uh, severed old tits. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, No, I'm sorry. What what is it? Masticated mommy breasts. But anyway, uh, masticated memories. Oh, nice. But I, I, like I said, I just like everything about it, like the budget, the quality of the zombies, the way the like this cold exposition, just freight train point A to point B, like you're kind of filling in the gaps for yourself. I was like, this is a classic zombie movie that I think that anyone that enjoys the genre. And I meant to say this earlier, Walking Dead, man, I made it like seven seasons and I said, I'm fucking done. Yeah, like uh, I was like, I'm done with this formula. Like I, I can't keep getting the secular, cyclical, like getting my ass handed to me thing. But this is the one movie that kind of like I could, I can deal with 90 minutes of this type of like ass handing, you know? Yeah, very, yeah. very ass handy. Chris, what about you? I would say like I, I really feel like this could be like like in the whole lore of The Walking Dead. Like I said, like it, it totally feels like they I, I can see and I know that like Greg Nicotero and those guys uh, are huge 
uh, you know, fans of horror. So I could totally see them, you know, potentially taking, you know, some of these ideas and things like that from Italian horror and like zombie flicks and things like that, of you know, you know, some of the things that this movie did um, and established that into The Walking Dead. I, I thought this movie was, like I said, like halfway into this, I was not into the movie. The latter half just completely just changed and, and ramped everything up and it got so fucking wild. I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm going to give this like four out of five. Uh, I, what do we call it? Masticated uh, Mammaries. Mammaries. Masticated memories. Mama. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I picked this. Uh, this is one of those that I have in my uh, own personal collection. This is the type of movie that I am all about. I fucking love this sleazy, crappy, just fantastic uh, Italian horror. Um, they don't care about how much gore they, I mean, obviously they put about as much money as they could towards the special effects in this as anything else, because they sure didn't spend it on the script. And uh, that's fine. As Joe Bob says, no plot to get in the way of the story. I don't care why we have zombies. I don't care why these people know each other. All I want to see is zombies eating people. And then you get the extra treat of uh, some masticated memories. Uh, And that just the, the hook of this movie and just the thing that, distinguishes it from you know tons and tons of other zombie movies italian zombie movies even is that creepy part that you know that's what people talk about when they talk about burial ground and i love this movie and i really hope that uh as we go on with the show i can get some other flicks like this to show you guys because um i think this style of horror and this genre is uh a little bit overlooked and there's you can go so deep on this because there are tons of movies out there and you can even start getting into the giallo type movies. But, uh, I really love what the Italians do with this stuff. And I give it five out of five masticated memories. Nice. Very nice. Well, man, I think that, uh, maybe now we can talk about what we're doing next, which is, uh, this is my pick, right? Well, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, <laughs> it's your so prick, Cody. Go my, my yeah. coming up, and I think that we're going to do a little film that's like a, not a touring musician who's clinging to dreams of stardom. Aging rocker Jack Frost played Michael, Michael Keaton. Oh, no, wait. That's the wrong. Hold on. Wait. That's the wrong Jack Frost. Wait. Here we go. Uh, after an accident that left murderer Jack Frost dead in genetic material, the vengeful killer returns as a murderous snowman to exact his revenge on the one man who sent him to be executed. That's right, motherfuckers. 1997's 99-minute romp, Jack Frost. God damn. And you want to know something? He's killing and killing. That's what it says on the, fucking, <laughs> on, the, on the fucking front of it. And I'm really excited to watch this movie. It's on Tubi uh, for free. It's on Voodoo for free. It's on Crackle for free. It's on Sling TV for free. It's on Amazon Prime TV for free. It's all of them. All of them. Jack Frost, 97, horror comedy. So it's, this is kind of like our Christmas follow-up to Thanksgiving because uh, I swear it's my pick. I saw it in the, in the group chat. Yeah, but, yeah uh, it is. But, uh, but yeah, I figured it was like, it was this or Ernest Saves Christmas. Uh, you know, and <laughs> as much as me and Chris want to overrule you 
and just do Ernest Saves Christmas. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Michael Keaton classic, Jack Frost. Oh, I mean, sorry, the, the, the horror movie, Jack Frost. We of, haven't of even the, done the episode. You're already beating that dead horse. <laughs> There's gonna be more of that. But no, that's awesome, dude. Because uh, I'll be honest, I've not seen that movie before, and. You're lucky. I, well, I, it was it was up. There's so many great classic motherfucking <laughs> Christmas movies like Krampus and Silent Night, Deadly Night, One and Two. You Christmas know, Evil. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, Santa's uh, Sleigh. Like, dude, I mean, like I saw the list and I was just like, motherfuck, I can't do this uh, justice. Uh, I was like, I can't do this list justice. And uh, and then I was like, I saw Jack Frost and I was like, oh, this is perfect because every no one knows about this movie because they it got there's a Michael Keaton movie the same name so when someone asks you seen Jack Frost they're gonna be like the one with fucking Mr. Mom like no no not at all library to get your ass kicked for saying that around here all roles Michael Keaton's head you go with Mr. Mom <laughs> yeah no it's a thing it's from it's like someone had a joke that was like Mr. Mom's gonna be Batman you know like that's kind of the I fucking yeah. love Mr. Mom though Dude. I watch I watched that like a month ago. I love it. uh, What's that one where Michael Keaton goes to like Japan and and, like becomes the best car manufacturer manager at the plant? It's a really good film. Uh, Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, and obviously like so many other good great movies. You gotta get Multiplicity some love. Like, dude, Multiplicity needs a motherfucking sequel in the now. Like all his all his clones have like kind of spread out and they're doing shit and we're catching up with them. I I don't watch a mockumentary series about that or something. Yeah. What about the you one with his uh when he's dying of cancer and he's making the video? My life. Yeah. Nice. Dude, that hit me deep, man. Oh, gosh. I yeah. That. I remember seeing dude. that at the Crowley theaters. And dude, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even before the resurgence, like with Birdman and stuff. What's that one like crime movie that he's in? It's not Jackie Brown, but it's kind of like Jackie Brown. Is he in Jackie Brown? Like he's one of the FBI guys, like in the yes. kind of a Jackie yeah. Brown style thing. God, he's so fucking good in that. But anyway, dude just uh, the dude just kills everything he does. Yeah, but so Jack Frost awesome. is next. Jack Frost, baby. Hell All yeah. right, so watch Jack Frost before listening to the next episode. <laughs> Sounds good. Unfortunately, man. I feel like I feel like an asshole because oh god, have you seen it, Chris? I've never seen it. No, no me neither. Oh. So I'm the only one that's seen it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's that's gonna be a good one, Jack Frost. That, that'll be a good holiday themed episode. I can't wait. Oh but yes. Oh just man. Make sure you and watch so, the right one. Speaking of holiday themed shit, uh, I can't wait to drop the holiday, uh, the Christmas BSG promo on you guys. No, uh, we're all the, eager. The Thanksgiving one was fun as fuck, but this is like, yeah, this is next level. I just got, I got to get some things in order, but it's it in my head. I'm already laughing. This is. Uh, oh, speaking of which, you guys, you guys saw the Thanksgiving one, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was much fun to make. Much shout out to uh, Brian and Miles and my little brother for coming out and playing the the various uh, villains. <laughs> oh, I didn't know Robin did that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was Freddy Krueger, and uh, God, it's hilarious. And also, I don't know if you guys noticed, there is a severed penis in the Gornicopia at the end. Uh, it's right there in the frame, just sticking right up tips, tip first. And <laughs> I bought this, like, it's weird because I got on Amazon and I was like, oh, I need sever- severed body parts. And there was this, like, six ninety nine, uh, like, stringed up, like, body parts. And there's, like, little kid's foot and a little kid's arm. And there's a little kid's dick in there. <laughs> and, like, it's just, it's in there. And I, I was like, wow. Now we're canceled. Yeah, oh, dude. 
<laughs> no, I was gonna say I'm gonna send, I'm gonna post a link to the to the little kid dick uh, Amazon kids uh, Halloween toys. Halloween we're gonna be a, we're gonna be a big hit in the Vatican though. Listen, exactly. You know what they're watching? They're watching DSG and this bitch. Uh, but it's it's part of the Halloween dick or. Oh, okay. I think with that we should wrap it up. Yep, I think it's that's much do it. much decorum. <laughs> the maybe we'll have another episode. Maybe boots. not. <laughs> maybe I don't know. All right, well that's gonna do it. All right, well, happy holidays and stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next time. Toodaloo.